Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. It does. So this all brings up, I think this all comes to the head of, because it's all around the buzz of Sean Payton and the potential that Arizona could be on the short list of places that he's going to go. We know he's putting his staff together. We know that he's preparing for wherever he's going to head, that it's imminent and you need to have what? You need to have basically a franchise that maybe feels like they came up well short on expectations in recent seasons an organization that feels like their head coach has not been successful, an organization that thinks maybe their GM could be on the way out. All these things indicate that the Arizona Cardinals would be a prime landing spot. My question to you is this, though, because the the one thing I think we know is the Cardinals are not going to move on from Kyler Murray. No. And I find it interesting if you look at teams and say, what would Sean Payton prefer bringing in his own quarterback and what he wants to do or having an already established player. And I bring it up because now we have this laundry list of, and these are, you know, different orders as far as who cares about where they could play next. Derek Carr is getting benched right now because they don't want to pay out the injury kick that comes in. If he gets hurt over the remaining two games, Matt Ryan for the Colts, it's the same thing. He's guaranteed 12 million. He kicks in another 17 million if he were not to be able to pass a physical in the offseason. So there's all these benchmarks that are kind of setting things up potentially for a lot of QBs that could be on the move. And that the thought that came to mind was does Sean Payton want to go where there's already a quarterback and there's a difference between established quarterback and maybe Kyler Murray, who's been up and down, or does he want to walk into an organization saying, this is my guy that I want brought in, and I'll, then I'll build this thing going forward. Yeah, I, I don't know. When we saw that tape of him at the scouting combine yep. and was raving about Kyler Murray, and then we've seen him post that on shows like, uh, what was the show, Colin Cowherd on The Herd, kind of raving about Kyler Murray then. I don't know. I, I just feel like he looks at Kyler Murray, and he looks at, like, this guy's been done a disservice. And right. so I almost that's why I almost feel like, again – when you ask me about all these players that what could have been players and coaches, yeah, yeah, the only two moves I've ever felt great about, okay, three moves: Peyton Manning, uh, Kevin Durant. Because I, during this offseason, I, I mean, it seemed like it was all but a done deal at times yeah. here in the Valley. It might have been different in your neck of the woods, uh, you know, be that you're in New York, but or New Jersey. Don't want to mix those two up. But the third one would be Sean Payton. Like I, right now, when I look at how everything's aligning, I feel I'm, I don't know if this is just a weird fan of me and I'm just praying for the best, 
But when I look at all the pair, like everything, how it's lining up, I just don't see how the Cardinals don't make this move. I just really don't. And then you watch Hard Knocks last night, mm. and there's a shot after they lose the game of Michael Bidwell, like just with a death stare as he stands next to Cl- uh, Cliff Kingsbury. And it's just silent. And then you hear Cliff like trying to give a rah-rah about you guys play your asses off and blah, blah, blah. And Michael just looks pissed. And I just don't see when you, when you see the visuals and you see that situation, mm-hmm. it's like, I don't think Michael Bidwell is a good poker player. Like, right. I think that was a dead tell that we're going to break. We're going to blow this up. This is over. Do so, you have, do you have any concern about, being a desperate franchise and giving, you know, virtually total control to Sean Payton or anybody um, coming in the door like that, because we have a lot of instances where like, you know, being the, it would say uh, being the cook and also buying the ingredients is sometimes a dangerous premise, right? Like if you bring in Sean Payton, it's going to be, Hey, if I say we're done with this player, we're done with him. If I say, I want to go get this guy, we're going to go get this guy, right? Like he's going to dictate total terms. Now, I think maybe the easy answer is it hasn't gone well, so you want to pivot. But there is also that world where, like, you bring someone in like this, they have total autonomy. Who was the last one that had the chance to do this? It actually happens in the NBA a lot. Van Gundy had this happen when he went to the Pistons. Uh, Stan Van Gundy. Mm-hmm. He was going to be the GM, and he's also going to be the coach. And then that thing crumbles because he has it in his mind what he wants to accomplish. Are, are we yeah. set on that Sean Payton's going to want to be the GM? No, no, it's want to bring well, somebody in that maybe he's friendly with as a GM. You know what I mean? Well, okay, but it's, uh, even that though, like again, like I guess I'll say it that way because there's so many instances, specifically inside the NFL, it is always almost a recipe for disaster when you do things out of order. And out of order always means when you have a holdover quarterback and you bring in a new head coach, but you say we want to keep that guy under center. Or when you bring in a new head coach, but you say, we're still, sorry, when you bring in a new GM, but you tell him, we're going to keep the head coach in place, right? Even if like, sometimes things can work out in the short term, but typically it's, hey, we hire the GM that we like, he hires the head coach that he likes, and that head coach gets the QB that he likes. Now, I guess there is that world where Kime is still a part of this organization, and as the GM, and it's and Kime is saying, yeah, of course I want Sean Payton. If I can get Sean Payton, we can probably fix this thing. Mm-hmm. And then if Sean Payton likes Kyler Murray, it can be a an oddly put together, but ultimately still the right chain of command. I do just wonder, though. I do wonder because all of a sudden you start getting into that friction and you could be four weeks into a season or into the offseason and you start to hear the rumblings that Sean Payton doesn't like the GM that's in place or that Kyler Murray is not getting on, on the same page with Sean Payton. And that can just end up leading to a bigger disaster. And it could, I mean, but then again, what, how much bigger of a disaster is it than we have right now? I mean, you're already, to me, all you have is to go up at this point. I just don't know, like how bad can it get? You compound what, two or three more years. I mean, four more years, whatever. And then you move on again. Uh, A name that was thrown at me was, was the saints VP and assistant general manager, Jeff Ireland would potentially be a candidate for GM and would go hand in hand with Sean Payton because of their time together in New Orleans. They they were together there, right? Yeah. So, I mean, to me, it's kind of like you're getting a package deal at that point. But, yeah, no, I agree with you. But, again, the Cardinals need to, and we've said this before, but we'll say it again, 
the Cardinals his, history has always been to promote from within and from always like the devil they know versus the devil they don't. Well, unfortunately, anyone that they promote from within, all that person knows is losing. Like, <laughs> in the, at the pro level. Like, right. Because we've never been a real serious contender. We've had, you know, we've had a couple shots, but we've not been a contender year after year. We haven't, I think of like the Carolina Panthers run where they were in the playoffs virtually every year. You look at the, obviously yeah. the Patriots is a great example. There's many teams, the Packers, for how many years do they like consistently make the playoffs? Like the Cardinals haven't had a run like that. You know, they'll make right, the right. playoffs. Promoting from within is maintaining a winning culture or maintaining a certain mentality. Yeah, but when yeah. been bad. Yeah. So at this point, I think they need definitely the outsider's perspective someone that's comes from a culture of winning. Like I look at the saints, they had a good run for a long time. So you bring in a Sean Payton and, and a Jeff Ireland, and you bring those guys in with outside glasses to see yeah. like what's going on internally and say, Hey, here's some things we need to change. An example I made the other day was Edron James. When the Cardinals mm-hmm. signed Edron James from the Colts coming off some success, I think he had already won. I'm pretty sure they had won the Super Bowl right before uh you bring him in i remember one of the things and and today it sounds crazy and this sounds like the stupidest analogy but at the time it was such a like it was such a shake-up of the culture we didn't have wi-fi in our practice locker room and 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 edron james gets here he goes into the practice locker room and is like how the hell you guys not have wi-fi here and just things as simple as that edron james came in and was like this needs to change this needs to change. Uh, and, and you now look fast forward. The Cardinals have a awesome like cafeteria set up with professional cooks and all the, you know, they have a wellness program. They have all these things that like, I don't think they had in the early, like late nineties, early two thousands. And right. it's, it's like outside people come in that have respect because of their success they've had and they've helped change our culture. And, Sure. That's what we need again. I think that's what what is needed at this time. And so again, that's why we hope Sean Payton ends up as an Arizona Cardinal. We try now, to uh, I try to limit ahead. I try to limit my references to the Giants, but I will say that that's a good example of they looked at the Buffalo Bills, a team that's been building successfully now over the last handful of seasons. They pluck their assistant GM and Joe Shane, mm-hmm. then he takes their offensive coordinator and Brian Dable. And it really was there were certain things when Shane first came into the organization. And he said. I mean, he made five, six new hires. He created new positions within the organization saying these are things that we need. Some of them were like you were kind of mentioning about with the Cardinals and Edron James. Some things were like a player liaison. It was someone who is separate from anyone specifically, not a GM, Mm -hmm. not an assistant GM, not a coach. It was someone the players could go to and say, hey, I'm having an issue with Wi-Fi in the locker room or I'm having something issue specifically related to the team. And they could then facilitate what made the most sense. So sometimes those fresh eyes do certainly help. Um, I did make mention of Derek Carr inside of this conversation here, um, talking about Sean Payton and where we want to go, but he's adding to this list, and you you kind of developed this thought around what this offseason could look like as this list of QB needy teams kind of gets a little bit longer here. Yeah, no, we talk about QB needy teams, and, I mean, it's crazy. When you look at it right now, and the reason that we bring this up is because when the Cardinals right now sit at four, We've seen it the past couple of years. How many times do teams trade up to get the quarterback that they want? And does this now position the Arizona Cardinals to make a move to stockpile draft picks? You know, if they get to the third pick or even at four, like right now, Houston, obviously probably going to go quarterback at at one. Now at two, 
Does does Chicago trade out or does Denver move up to two? Do they trade out because they both theoretically have quarterbacks? And then the Cardinals, do they trade out? I, I mean, there's there's a few quarterbacks of note that can move up. You look at Kyler Murray pre-draft, like a couple of months prior, he wasn't rumored to be in the top three, four, five picks. He was further down right. in the first round. All of a sudden, the steam of, of Cliff Kingsbury and things like that catapulted him to the first overall pick. That stuff happens as, as you get to be about 30 days from the draft, right? After the combine, like guys start to move. People see like, oh, this might be the savior of our team. But we look at this list. Carolina Panthers, going to need a quarterback. Raiders, at this point, this is over. This marriage with Derek Carr is definitely over. I don't see how they're bringing him back unless they were to fire the coach, the coaches and bring in new coaches. But I don't see that happening. So yeah, and this is where so this is where it gets interesting because you you sent yeah. over a list to me that included teams like the Panthers, the Raiders, Seahawks with the question mark around it because they I think they'll probably bring back Geno Smith. It depends if they probably yeah, if they retain Geno Smith or not, right? Right, right. And then you also have Washington, which makes a lot of sense. Big choice there. Falcons, you're gonna see the next couple of weeks. Desmond Ritter, they just drafted him. Does he show them enough where they feel like he's the franchise guy? Might be hard pressed to think they would pivot off him, but they are gonna be the top of the draft. So mm-hmm. you have to at least explore it. Colts, Saints, Texans, uh, Bucks, Jets, Dolphins, all with kind of maybes around them. Oddly enough, what a what a bummer. Well, but for here's Tua. the thing about wait, real quick on the Falcons. The thing about Desmond Ritter, he was a third round pick. So, oh, for sure. Like, so you can always yeah, if yeah, you have a first round not, talent that you think you can go get, there's yeah. a big difference there for sure. Um, but we were just saying, yeah, Tua, like he he's another one, Miami. I mean, there was rumors yesterday. That like just the way the the head coach was talking, uh, McDaniel's was talking. He was alluding to like he needs to have some serious conversations, see how he's feeling. Like like this, he he needs a, he's going to consult with a doctor. Like oh yeah, three I mean, concussions about- in one season. Does that pose the end of Tua? You know, as an NFL player, I don't know. Yeah, so it at least opens up that conversation. Here's what I think becomes interesting about it, though, because when you go over and you look right now, and like, and you, I think you make the really good point that as you get closer to the draft, things are going to move a little bit. But you've got Bryce Young there at the top of the list. You've got C.J. Stroud in and around that top five conversation. And then as you get into like the middle of the first round, probably names that are going to move up as you start getting going with it. It's whether or not does a QB like Will, uh, like Will Levies out of UK. You also have, what, the product down out of Florida who's maybe looking more like a second-round prospect. But if you're needy enough, when do you want to push that button to maybe go get him? Hooker out of Tennessee. Like, there are a handful of guys, at least four quarterbacks, that are either in the top or sniffing around the first round and are potentially going to move up the board. The bigger question to me becomes, like you said, the Raiders. Okay, are they a QB-needy team in the draft? Or are they a QB needy team on the market? Because they have a lot of weapons there. They have a lot of things in place right now. You would think True. that they want a veteran player that's better than Carr. I'm not I'm not saying I agree with it. I'm not saying that they what, didn't. You what know. veterans are going to be available? Like I look at it like. Tom Brady's going to be on the move. And that's his former offensive coordinator in, in no, New England. And, and maybe that solves one. Tom Brady's right. one. But like right, right. who else? Like Matt yeah. Ryan. Is anyone really looking at Matt Ryan after the last between his stint here and his stint, how he ended in Atlanta. You know what I mean? Like there's some, yeah, you got him. Um, you could throw out right in your division. What's going to happen with Jimmy oh, G. Garoppolo. How does the league Jimmy look G. at him? Yeah. You know, but, but, but your, but to your point, there's going to be, I feel like there's, there's less quarterbacks this year that are going to be available. Veteran quarterbacks. Yeah. Than there was last year. Last year, there was like five or six with, with, uh, 
uh, Russell Wilson being available. There was talks of Aaron Rodgers might be available. There was a lot of guys, yeah. you know, pre pre some things shaking out that people thought, wow, this is going to be a, a QB heavy free agency. Mm-hmm. And now this year you look at it and it's like, there's a couple, but there's a so lot more teams that need quarterbacks, right? Out of all those teams that we listed, which one? Because I think like the Jets are a team that would look for, again, a Jimmy G kind of someone they can plug in because they feel like their defense is waiting right now. Which one of those teams do you think would want to be moving up to get to, would be willing to move up that would be willing to give the Cardinals Indeed. a significant draft haul to come get their guy? Because I don't think, you know, it's probably only about 40% of those teams listed that realistically would be willing to sacrifice to come up to get their guy. Well, here's who it would be to me. I mean, if Chicago and Denver stays in front of you, it's Indy at five, Atlanta at six, Carolina at eight. Yep. Maybe the Raiders at nine. So, like I, I mean, yeah. you you know, I, you, you're not going to drop two. If you're the Cardinals, you're also not dropping too far back. So right. Even if the it, Jets say the Jets wanted it right now, they're 15. They're 15. So, so yeah. I, I don't see the Jets being able to, they'd have to give up all you're going to get more picks if you trade with the Jets because they're going to have to give you up more equity in the future, not necessarily yeah. this draft. Uh, By the way, and- don't forget, don't forget that uh, Miami forfeited their first-round pick this year because of the tampering that they had in the yep. offseason when they were trying to land Tom Brady and it didn't work out and everything mm-hmm. else. Like That's That 22. right there means that they can't, even, they can't even be in the discussion if two is not going to be available. They're going to have to pivot somewhere else because they're not even going to have a first-round pick um, that they can utilize. So it... it it does become interesting, man. Even you mentioned some, about teams some, too far down, teams, like Washington. Some teams are legitimately just going to have to sign a guy to be a stopgap for like a year as like a band aid and wait till next year. I mean, that's probably what's going to happen. Here's two names that I would keep keep on your mind if you're talking about teams that want to come up or teams that are going to hold over. Gardner Minshew currently backing yeah. up in Philadelphia. I think that do I think that he's you know a superstar? No. Do I think he can be serviceable? Yes. And then Taylor Heineke is an interesting one for Washington as well. Cause I, I don't know what their intentions are there. They'd love to get away from Carson Wentz. Probably. I don't I got think his one. market value matters anymore. <laughs> you know, he's now cycled mm-hmm. through. So I, those are the probably Heineke. I actually think depending on what Washington chooses to do, some teams may look at him as, Hey, guess what? He's a gunslinger. He can win you some games. He can be exciting. Like, it's it's which is indicative of what's going to be available, right? Some veteran guys like Brady and Garoppolo at the you know at certain yep. points of their career, and then other dudes that have maybe primarily been journeymen and are bubbling up here a little bit. Another name I'll throw but, out, but those journeymen yeah. are going to be they're literally going to be like band aids. Like oh, we're going to sign them for yeah, years, yeah, see what happens. They're going to be a Matt Ryan. We're going to take a flyer yep. and a Matt Ryan, see what happens. If he can help right this ship, then we'll keep him longer. If not, we got to move on. I got a name that I think everyone's forgetting because he had a lot of success at the beginning of the season until B was replaced. Jacoby Brissett was That's great a good one. for Cleveland. That's a really good one. Yeah. He had them in contention, all things considered. I mean, granted, you know, you know, within reason. Whatever but, the ceiling you think it's going to be. But yeah, he's still playing yeah. good football, though. Yeah. How about this one? I'll throw out one other one in this QB. And then and then the real question that all of this means is, what does it mean? How does it help potentially the Cardinals? I think yeah. the, the conclusion we're coming to here is, you mentioned this about your desire for what you'd like to see them do at the top of the draft and not really worry about maybe, you know, trading down or going for another quarterback and pivoting off of Murray. Eventually you'd like them to go for uh, Anderson, I believe out of Alabama and get that, get that real defensive stud, put them to anchor that defense, really turn this thing in a different direction on that side of the football. 
How about Ryan Tannenhill? Because Tennessee is on the cusp of maybe blowing it up. They drafted Malik Willis. Now, whether or yeah, not but I seen... heard they just benched him today. They, yeah, they, no, text. they benched they bench Tannenhill. Tannenhill, I think, has the exact same structure that no, all no, the no, quarterbacks no. have. I just got a text an hour or 30 minutes ago that they benched Willis after oh, his bad performance. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that's so, true. I, I have not val- validated that, but I got so a that text. Would be, but, and even that situation, right? Do you hold on to Tannenhill, who's a serviceable yeah. player, can play at a high level if things are right around him, have a strong defense, et cetera? Or, as some people have kind of suggested, it's like, or is Tennessee about to go through a bit of a rebuild? Right, because now you have Henry, he's up there. Tannenhill's a veteran quarterback. Maybe you missed on Malik Willis, and now all of a sudden, you're, and, you, and you already gave up your, your best wide receiver to the Eagles in a trade. Like They may actually be a lot closer to doing like a mini rebuild than they are to trying to just retool and get competitive again next year. So if that's yeah. the case, then Tannenhill would become a viable one. And the interesting thing on all these quarterbacks we're mentioning. Is, wait, is Tannenhill the Matt Ryan, though? Like like a guy that like has been around for a long time, had some success, and now it's it's kind of over, and he'll get recycled through a couple of teams, and then. Well, I think I agree with you that he's been around and had some success. I think Matt Ryan was a was a better quarterback and had higher success. Obviously, well, I don't know. Was he though? Tannehill had a lot of success. He had a bunch of Pro Bowls. I thought he, I don't know, a lot of playoff runs. Yeah, I know, but he but he effectively he got dumped by his original team, the Miami Dolphins. He reclimated himself yeah, in Tennessee. Right. True. Matt Ryan had his entire career. He's in his what, 36, 37 years old. Tannenhill is still only, I think, like how old is Tannenhill? I don't know. Tannenhill question. is 34 years old. So like really by today's time. NFL, he still has two or three good years ahead of him, but he may not be that far off from, from your point about Matt Ryan. I think that uh, the Colts are now, ironically, where quarterbacks go to die. If you can, if we can yeah, have any indication, that's a great point. That's a great point. But, but here's the big balancing act: is I can give a first round pick an extra capital and move up to get the young quarterback, and that means a certain thing for the trajectory of my franchise. But in a lot of these instances, it's going to be trading for a Derek Carr. It's going to be trading for a Tannenhill. It's going to be trading for a veteran quarterback, which means capital as well. So that's mm-hmm. like the question about this sweet spot of it. For the Arizona Cardinals, if there are QB needy teams, what are some teams asking for a brissette? You know, what, what is the asking price for veteran quarterbacks that they're ready to be moved on from? What's the asking price for a Gardner Minshew? If that's too low, then it may not matter at the top of the draft. And you may say, hey, let's we'll take the flyer on a veteran, right? If it's so high that you start to get into that area where you say, well, we're borderline drafting a QB with the capital we're talking about. We might as well go up and have those conversations. And that's where these last couple of games matter for Arizona to be up there high enough where they can battle with the Bears and battle with these other teams that would be willing to jettison their, their, their top pick. The Cardinals need to get to three. It's four, I can't feel good that they're going to have the flexibility to be able to trade back. Like, I just don't, you know what I, I don't think, you know what, you know, what will happen to them. I, I, I apologize. Full disclosure. Yeah. It'll happen to them. Like it happened with the giants um, this past year when they had two, they had two picks in the top 10, but there just wasn't anywhere to go. The offers weren't coming. No one was yeah. looking to come up. Now it's different because there's more high profile QBs at the top of this draft class but you already have positions you can go to at the top. If you're a team that wants it, Cardinals may just get caught in that in between, which isn't the worst thing in the world. By the way, the giants ended up with, you know, a starting tackle and an edge rusher and cave on Thibodeau. That looks like he's going to be a stud, right? So you can just end up getting a high quality player there. It's just a matter of if you get Sean Payton and he says, I want as many assets as possible. And Oh, by the way, you're going to give something up to acquire him, whatever that looks like. 
Gardner Minshew and Jacoby Brissett, both unrestricted free agents, by the way. Oh, so they'll walk right into it. Yeah. So th- those are going to be Band-Aid guys that are not going to need to be traded for. And not so, going to cost anything. Yeah. 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 So that's where I see when you see the list of like nine, it looks like nine or 10 teams need a quarterback. Like a couple are going to just pick up those guys and say, we'll yeah, just roll yeah. the dice. It's going to be like Daniel Jones, by the way, is another interesting name to watch too, probably with what, with what they choose to do with him. Um, <sighs> I just, because he's on that is, one though. because of the success this year. Right. It's like, <laughs> you look at him compared to it. He's a top 12 QBR quarterback this year. He's led, a, you know, doesn't have a lot of receivers and, and, and he probably, he enters that in between space. Well, it's not. He's better than a Gardner Minshew. Mm-hmm. He's better. He's not a Band-Aid quarterback, but is he a deep playoff run quarterback? Or do we want to go all the way, for go all in for a Tom Brady for one year, you know, or go in for some of these guys that have a track record? But he could muck things up too. So, I mean, it just it's fascinating because it is a totally at, different cast, but intriguing all the same. Does anyone look at Tom Brady and say like, oh, this guy with the right pieces around him might still be the guy? Because we look at him right now, Tampa's got a lot of pieces. Yeah. I mean, what more? That's why I think the Raiders move makes all the sense. It's your former offensive coordinator. He'll probably sign a relatively low cost deal. You know, it's not going to be for 45 million. It'll be for 20 or something. And, you know, okay, easy, easy landing spot for me if I want more, one more run. Because by the way, originally it always been, he wants to go back. He wants to go to San Francisco, wants to go back home. But if it's not going to be Jimmy G again, you still have Trey Lance. You have Purdy popping off a little bit. Like it just Niners are not going to be. There's the no reason for, for them to yeah, yeah to go down that road. <laughs> yeah. 